0: Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief with the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and the IASC President in 2017 to 2018.
1: And I'm Sheldon Gilbert, former Fire Chief of the Alameda County, California Fire Department.
0: And this is the i Chiefs Podcast. If you're searching for new ideas, looking to improve your leadership skills, and wanting to make a difference within your organization, this is the podcast for you.
1: We encourage you to join us as we engage with fire service leaders who discuss the challenges and opportunities facing you and your agency. Our
0: podcast today is sponsored by Toughbook for first responders by Panasonic. Smarter, safer firefighting and emergency response can save property and lives. When the stakes are high, Panasonic mobile solutions put critical data into the hands of incident commanders so that they can respond faster and more effectively. Toughbook rugged mobile laptops Handhelds and tablets are built to perform consistently every time. Undergoing more than 500 checks and tests, including stringent military standards for testing, for Toughbook, it's just all in a day's work. Discover Tough mobile devices at toughbook.com. Welcome to the latest iChiefs podcast episode where we're talking about emergency health care and providing good effective and efficient service to in this case a large metropolitan city the city of houston through their ethan program which is emergency telehealth and navigation a program that was originally designed to help combat uh, two problems really unnecessary ambulance transports and also overcrowding at emergency rooms i know you don't have to look far and talk to too many fire chiefs especially those fire chiefs who operate transport ambulances to find that This is not a common problem just for Houston. This is something that uh, is talked about in fire station kitchen tables all over the country. And so uh, we're going to have a wonderful visit today and I'm joined by my co-host Sheldon Gilbert.
1: Hey thanks Chief. Um, It's great to be here today. This is an exciting topic I'll tell you. Um, I, I remember back when I was an assistant chief in charge of EMS in California. Visiting some um, startups in Silicon Valley, who told us that uh, soon, someday there would be telehealth medicine where we would have a tablet in the field. They just weren't quite sure how to how to get the bandwidth and the and the Wi-Fi to work. And so there was a lot of things to figure out. And then boom, sure, sure it's shooting. Here we are in 2014. Uh, Houston Fire rolled out this pilot project, project uh, called the Ethan Project, which uh, I think is a really good example for the rest of the uh, the rest of the you know the the industry to look at it it stands for emergency telehealth and navigation and so we're honored today to be joined by dr gonzalez who is the medical director for for uh the houston fire department um he he also is the um as an assistant professor for for baylor uh college of Medicine, as well as uh the associate medical director of v m s for rice university so quite a credentialed and qualified uh, physician to, to help start and run this project. And so we're excited to have Dr. Gonzalez with us today, and we welcome you to uh, the Chiefs podcast, Doctor. And I guess we kind of want to start at the beginning, and, and what were the problems facing the city of Houston with its emergency response system, and why did the Ethan Project come to be?
2: Sure. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be back with you. Uh, the conference, uh, FireMed, is one of my favorites, so it's good to be back with you guys. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, you laid out the, really the, the groundwork uh, for me perfectly. Um, Houston was fi- was facing uh, a, not a unique problem, right? Everybody's been faced with increasing volumes, increasing calls uh, for EMS, and a big percentage, at least we found in our community, which I think is true for a lot of areas, a lot of the, the major increase, the biggest proportion of increase that we saw in calls for EMS service were particularly around low acuity or really non-emergent calls, depending on how you classify those. So for us, it was really a matter of our ambulances are our lowest uh, available resource. That is the resource that is tasked most often at any given time and is also fairly low number um, in terms of uh, our fleet numbers. So we were looking for something to help help offset Uh, both increasing demand in the form of higher number of of EMS calls, but also a lower acuity. So patients that, for whatever reason, identified a medical need uh, that we may not in the medical community term a true medical emergency, but nevertheless is a need on their side, and we wanted to make sure we were addressing that need. Um, so the the second part of it, the ED overcrowding, was certainly something we care about with our hospital and health system partners. Um, but really, our our not to put you know too blunt a, a point on it, where our our in primary interest was making sure we had our crews uh, and really giving them an opportunity to utilize this game changing technology um, in a way that could uh, effectively improve our response time and more importantly. Um, improve their availability for those uh those members of our community who really needed us
1: excellent well, i fantastic. know uh, yeah. so go go ahead chief well i'm just listening
0: to it you know running a uh, you know a much much smaller agency with a l f ambulances i mean i when i hear of ethan it just i think of all the conversations i've had uh with 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 colleagues about these problems uh, like specifically what did Ethan end up doing to help with efficiency and and help with you know the response times and the ER times and and that sort of thing what what were the what were the results of all that
2: yeah I'm happy to share that so as was mentioned we started piloting in 2014 we launched citywide 2015 so every apparatus in our department be it ladder truck pumper ambulance BLS ALS every crew uh, out in the field both on fire and EMS side uh has the ability uh to initiate an Ethan initiate and complete an Ethan encounter and so uh I'll I'll run through it from beginning to end if that's okay with both of you um and it really starts with the dispatch right so dispatch at the time of dispatch a call goes out we have not uh to date modified our dispatch and I'll I'll come back to that point at the end of this but but for now, um, dispatch goes out. It can be prioritized, uh, whatever level crew gets on scene, and it can be a first responding uh, ladder truck. Uh, may have a BLS crew and may have a paramedic on board. The vast majority of our apparatuses do, um, and so. But anyone can initiate it, and so our anyone on the ladder truck can say, "Hey, I you know I believe this patient may benefit from an Ethan encounter." Um, after doing their standard assessment, which, of course, includes vital signs, a brief history, an understanding of why the patient or a family member called, um, they can initiate right there from the field uh, on their mobile tablet device, which it currently is a CF33 Panasonic device we recently refreshed, and uh, they can initiate a video call. And within a few seconds, we have found that our positions pick up within about Average wait time is about 17 seconds uh, for a physician to pick up, answer the phone call directly from the field. The field crew, um, prior to initiating the call, uh, records a set of vital signs, as I mentioned, and they can uh, upload or transfer a record to the physician on the receiving end, so that that way we don't waste a lot of time with any demographic information or vital signs or past medical history verbally. The physician can view the report real time and jump right in with the crew to then assess whatever need. A lot of these are very common and very familiar to those of us in this EMS world. Um, so you get your abdominal pains that have been going on for several days. You get a well-intentioned coworker who took a blood pressure reading at a you know job fair, a health screening, and it's asymptomatic elevated blood pressure for someone who may have run out of their medications or I stumbled on the stairs out of the parking lot or or walking into work and but I'm still ambulatory so those of us in the in this world know that those are all visits that sure may need a medical intervention may need a visit but there's really nothing necessarily emergent about it and our crews are often just faced with the setting of, I need to connect this person with an appropriate level of care. And this is where recent Ethan really leverages several abilities, so the crews speak one on one and the patient can speak one on one with an emergency physician directly. That emergency physician then has a variety of options in terms of dispositioning that patient so they can direct the crew if it's appropriate. Uh, to say, hey, you know, guys, I understand why you activated Ethan, but perhaps there's this more, you know, relevant medical history that was not disclosed prior, and we're recommending ambulance transport. That only happens to us in our Ethan experience about 10% of the time. Um, 90-plus percent of the time, the physician absolutely agrees with the findings of or the initial assessment of our crew in the field, and we can redirect them either to a partner clinic um, that comes in affiliation and working with the patient to say, hey, you know, it might be, let's say, 11 o'clock in the morning now. I have an available appointment at one o'clock in the afternoon in a clinic that's about two hour, you know, two minutes away, a mile or less. We have about 13 different clinic partners in the city of Houston uh, that we can refer to, and these are scheduled appointments, so they can, you know, go in and rather than sit in an emergency department that may be overcrowded, as we previously discussed. Uh, this is an appointment, if it's appropriate for that that care setting. If, as is very often the case, let's say that abdominal pain that I mentioned, there may be a concern that, hey, this is a potential surgical cause, an, a rule-out appendicitis or a rule-out, you know, some sort of pelvic uh, abnormality where a, an emergency department visit may be warranted, but our emergency crews, um, especially if we're faced with waiting on scene for an ambulance to arrive to transport this patient, because in our example, as is most common, one of our fire apparatuses is, is first on scene for a lot of these low acuity calls. Um, we can often redirect the patient to get to the emergency department via a taxi cab that is funded by the city, because we know that our crew's time is far more valuable serving the members of our community who do have an urgent medical need. Um, so, in terms of some of our key metrics of performance, um, I heard you ask, Chief. So, we have really found that in about our, we're pushing thirty thousand encounters that we've done uh, to date. We found that we really eliminate about forty-five minutes of what we've labeled sort of crew time, because remember, there's no there's no dwell time or wall time, as is you know often referred to in the industry of our crews waiting at the at the hospital to hand off these low acuity patients because our crews complete the encounter, the patient gets in a cab, that the physician has dispatched directly to the scene and arranged the destination so that the patient themselves knows what emergency department they're going to. Often it's obviously their choice. So it can be one that may not have been otherwise convenient for the crew to transport across town at five o'clock in the afternoon in busy traffic. But, you know what, we're happy to you know meet the patient's needs and wishes and get them to that desired destination, just not by an emergency transport because it may not actually be necessary. So we found that our biggest key satisfiers are really patient uh, satisfaction. They're getting to the destination of choice. Uh, secondly, and really most importantly to us from the fire and EMS service, we're eliminating a lot of unnecessary transport times um and dwell times for these low acuity patients
1: that's um that's tremendous i am I'm really impressed, and certainly this is the broadest footprint and accessibility I've seen of any mobile integrated system and we you know I do consulting with our teams all around the nation, and so this is a this is a pretty impressive system um but but how from a kind of a tangible standpoint, has this mobile technology and these capabilities helped the first responders? Work more effectively and stay better connected with the hospitals during re- emergencies. I mean, I, I would assume that the the racial relationships and kind of your clinical acuity of your workforce, both DLS and ALS, uh, has probably gotten better. Has this has this had a significant impact on the relationships, the interactions, and the uh, the clinical um, capabilities of your organization?
2: Yeah, I think it has, Chief. I think that's a great question, and I think we have really extended. Uh, our capabilities. Now, Ethan is focused on these low acuity patients, right? But it does give us an additional set of eyes. And as I mentioned, our crews are really excellent at identifying the patients that are appropriate for these encounters. Um, And we have found that in very rare cases, a physician who gets on scene and is able to directly speak with and see these patients can offer up, you know. Hey, maybe they saw a scar that wasn't you know that wasn't immediately obvious or they elicited some other piece of history, so it has allowed us not only to improve our care directly for our patients but in the fact that we're putting a physician directly in touch with our crews and patients we've ad- additionally been able to provide direct on the spot sort of education and awareness for our crews for some things that they, you know, either may not because of their level of training be aware of, but they can certainly be enlightened to it. Um, We see a lot of it with some of our pediatric patients where it might be a minor appearing injury or illness, but we elicit uh, some history of a, you know, previous cardiac surgery. There's a case that I'm thinking of specifically where, You know, the child had undergone a complicated cardiac repair, and although the presentation complaint wasn't concerning at all, the fact that they had had that history sort of elevated the complexity of that patient, and so we were able to get that patient, obviously, to their specialty care hospital, um, and the patient ended up staying for a couple of days, and so that patient still went by cab with their parents. It wasn't something that the crew had to do something or there was an urgent medical intervention necessary, but it was more the idea that we connected that patient to the appropriate level of care and got them to their specialty hospital, um, even though an intervention wasn't necessary. So I think you're absolutely right. We have been exploring uh, additional uses of Ethan, and we certainly have some anecdotal cases that we are um getting ready to publish so I don't want to get too too ahead of my skis on this but um where we have leveraged the video technology for other um other opportunities right other care opportunities where you know we certainly like many other urban areas have a physician that's available on call 24/7 um, and the standard uh, communication method is via telephone, like most of us are doing. But Ethan has given us some additional eyes and ears uh, capability where we are able to now visualize directly what is happening for some sort of atypical scenes that we've applied it to um, in these past few years of operation.
1: That's that's great. That is super impressive, and I look forward to Hearing what uh, what direction you're going to go with this, so so we have fire chiefs and certainly division chiefs, EMS chiefs, EMS coordinators, and regulators as well as as medical directors all listening to this podcast. So if if they're listening and they're, they're getting you know this is this is appealing to them, how would you how would you describe the benefits of using this type of telemedicine when we're responding to 911 calls? What are, what are kind of some of the salient uh, positive outcomes that they could take back and start driving this in their organization?
2: Thanks, chief. Absolutely. So. So really, uh the Ethan really I you know, although I essentially built it, Ethan is really the brainchild of, of uh my boss, Dr. David Peirce, who is well known in the community and, and has been with the city of Houston for, for many years. Um, he developed it as a white paper idea. I was brought in to sort of implement it and make it a reality. Um, And really, the the way we've, I think, been most successful at implementing it and using it, and I think the biggest benefit is that we really built Ethan to be another tool in the toolkit of our response crews, right? I mean, we are always all searching for ways for our crews and our teams to be more effective in what they do and more efficient at what they do. And really, we built Ethan specifically to be another tool in their toolkit. And what I mean by that is it is built from ground zero to be an option. And that's really important because it is absolutely not a requirement that every encounter you get a Ethan physician online to, to get their opinion. That is absolutely not the case. So our crews, we depend on their judgment first and their experience firsthand to say, hey, I think this patient may benefit, you know, may not need us. In the in the strictest sense, right? They may not need an ambulance an ambulance transport to either an ER or a clinic, and so that's the right. first thing is that we really leverage the experience and training of our crews that are out in the field. The second thing is that, as you mentioned, kind of one of you mentioned earlier, this is something that is talked about at the bedside, at you know at the at the dinner table in the fire stations at the firehouse. This is something that we've talked about for decades, and those of us that have been involved with this, this is the continually has been either the number one or two sort of rated frustration uh, among our crews and among our colleagues around the country, right? These low acuity calls that we all want to be around and be effective in serving our community, but we also know it eats up a significant and disproportionate amount of our time. So, we really have noticed that we have seen a, a substantial increase in the number of our calls and because of Ethan, because we have not added additional fire stations or fire houses, although, or ambulances rather, sorry. Um, I, I would love to be able to do that, but we all know how expensive that is and how expensive it is to, to add additional, particularly ambulances and resources like that. So, We have seen a steady increase in the number of our calls, and our response times have continued to decrease. Now, we're not talking about significant decreases, but you would expect with more calls and not adding a significant number of staff or ambulances, you would expect that that number goes up. We have been able to maintain or decrease our response times and improve the availability of our ALS. Uh, dispatches for when they're necessary, meeting their dispatch, appropriate dispatch codes. So we measure, Ethan, by multiple different um, uh, metrics, as you might imagine. And so I think the the biggest effective argument that we found gets us the most traction is really down to the level of the care being delivered on the ground. We can really eliminate 45 minutes of unnecessary time, whether that's at the hospital or extended transports, because the destination may be a slightly out of the district or standard mapping area. Um, We really find that that's the most effective metric that we use uh, when out in the field talking about Ethan.
1: Excellent.
0: Doc, this is fantastic information. And I think that the emergency telehealth and navigation project program, I guess I probably should say, I mean, there's no doubt that it's been a success, especially when you have a medical director like you that's heavily involved. When I hear of these really cool and creative, uh, you know, some would say cutting-edge uh, solutions that involve technology, my experience has always been technology is the lowest common denominator. That that everything from the, the cellular network and the, and the connectivity available in the metro area, the region, to the routers on the fire trucks, to the physical devices that you have there, those are those are things that will make or break whether or not, number one, it's successful. Number two, whether or not the firefighters and paramedics trust it um, and it's reliable. You mentioned earlier, you use a Panasonic model CF 33. And I think you said that it recently, that was a recent upgrade from whatever they were using before. What, what technology hurdles and solutions might uh, you be able to share with us that, that, you know, could help uh, another fire department uh, be innovative and, and you know, create a similar project.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really great uh point in that when we first launched this and again it was an older model and the specific name uh is blanking me uh, blanking uh, my apologies. Um but the the model what most of most fire services and EMS services will find is that the vast majority of your ruggedized laptops that you're – that you already either already have or are considering upgrading to um, probably has this technology already available to it. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, you you would be hard-pressed to walk into any local – uh, telecommunications store and tell them, hey, I want to buy a smartphone that doesn't have a camera on it, right? Like it just doesn't exist. And the the ruggedized laptop community is moving in the same direction. Uh, we are a Panasonic partner, as I've mentioned. Uh, there are a variety of them out there, and I can't I, – I keep up to date and, and, and frequently asked to take a look at some of those devices. And I can't tell you – I don't think I've seen one in more than five years uh maybe a little less probably 3 uh where someone was considering in- deploying a, a new device that didn't have the technology built into it so i think from a from a pure technology hardware standpoint most of the laptops that are out there that we use in our in our field and those of you that are using you know protective cases around consumer iPads, those are obviously built for it already um and in terms of the bandwidth we're really seeing success uh across multiple markets. Uh, Verizon is our partner. Uh, they have introduced this frontline project, uh, much like AT&T's FirstNet, um, that are all dedicating bandwidth to our first responder communities and networks, uh, where I think this was a frequently cited problem when I first started going around talking uh, about Ethan, that we don't, you know, I would hear from you know colleagues who were interested, we don't have the bandwidth, we don't have the signal to do this and i think as our communities and our consumer experience um really becomes more heavily dependent on these devices and we you know think about what we do on our device now that we didn't do even two years ago much less five years ago those opportunities continue to expand just to meet the demand on the strict consumer side and a lot of the networks that we've experienced or that i've seen especially in colleagues that are particularly out in rural areas because of the expansion and the dedication that we've seen as a response to some of the events that we've all been faced with, right? Either, you know, local disasters, national pandemics, like we've all lived through or more localized, you know, flood, and hurricane response. We've seen a lot of our network partners step up, uh, you know, doing the right thing to try and make sure that we all have connectivity. So I think anyone interested will really find willing and value valued partners um Among the, you know many of the of the major providers, um uh, but it is absolutely key uh, to have that uh, connectivity for launching any kind of a program like this.
0: oh that's great and 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 thank you for carving out the time. I know with your schedule and and just reading uh, information about you and your biography, um, finding the time to come and and share this information, uh, the trials and the things that you've been able to put together with Ethan in the city of Houston. I think this is really valuable because these are problems that while uh, they manifested in Houston and you all were able to implement some solutions that utilize technology, you know, that you all are a great example. And this is going to be something that is replicated, no doubt, elements of it anyway. And so we appreciate you taking the time today and visiting with us and our guests on this podcast. So thank you, Doc.
2: Absolutely. Happy to do it.
0: We've been talking to Dr. Michael Gonzalez, who is the medical director for the City of Houston Fire Department and one of the chief champions of the emergency telehealth and navigation program with the City of Houston. We thank him for his time. Thank you for joining us for this iChiefs podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or Spotify, where you can subscribe and be sure to never miss a show.
1: If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next month.